Hello, and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Yes. How you doing? I am doing great. You're doing great? Yeah. We had a good week. Did we? Oh. Uh, on the podcast feed, at least. We put up an episode with uh, Paul F. Tompkins. We want yes. to thank him. Yeah. We also put up the audio from our live show. Yeah. Featuring Paul Gilmartin, Matt Champagne, Sean Conroy, and Stephen Tobolowsky. Yes, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, and so hopefully everybody enjoys those. Uh, head on over to the website or the Facebook uh, group. No, I guess you have to be friends with me to do it. Friend me on Facebook and then look at the photos, or you can just see uh, a few photos on the website. And, uh, and, listen, and look at the photos while you listen. All right, here's the deal. Okay. I'm calling an audible, Tyler. Uh, oh, okay. We, we had discussed beforehand what the topic was going to be, the pre-topic topic. Okay. But something you just said made me I want to change it. Maybe we'll save that one for the next episode. We're doing two today. Okay. Two this week. Yeah. Okay. You just now I don't know what you're referring to, but it's fine. I'll let you just lead the charge. You were just you just mentioned Facebook. I yes. The Social Network comes out this weekend. Yeah. Uh, yes, it did. Um, it's a movie I'm very excited to see. It looks great. It's getting great reviews. Yeah. Pretty much across the board. Yeah. Um, our friend Dave Chan over at this last filmcast did an interview with Trent Reznor about the score, which was a great interview mm-hmm. and sounds like a really great score. So yeah. uh, I'm really intrigued by every aspect of this film. Yeah, but here's the deal. You and I were talking about this on the phone. I saw the trailer a couple months ago, mm-hmm. I think before Inception. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, and it was the one with the uh, like kids doing the choral version of Creep by Radiohead yeah. and images from Facebook, and I thought it was a very good well-made trailer yeah you know it it, it intrigued me mm-hmm. and the response on the internet was beyond that just like huge just like yeah. this is the greatest trailer of the year before the movie came out yeah and i was one of them i thought it was a, an incredibly well-made trailer yeah and i and I, I again i thought intellectually this is a good trailer but i didn't understand the reaction that it in, inspired in people mm-hmm and then just recently, the Onion AV Club did a list of like 25 great trailers that can stand alone as short films or something, yeah, something yeah. like that. They probably said it more pithy, <laughs> in a more pithy way than that. Yes. Uh, but they mentioned the social network, and it wasn't until I read it that I realized what should have been obvious from the beginning. The mm-hmm. reason that trailer doesn't resonate with me is that I don't use Facebook. You sure don't. Which is... I, I, I've said on the show many times that I don't have a Facebook account where I'm not on Facebook, but that's yeah. not true. I do have an account, yeah. but I mostly use it to accept friend requests and occasionally I missed too many parties. Mm. So now I, and I'd be like, why didn't I, why didn't you invite like me to your party? parties and stuff no. like that? Okay. <laughs> but I'd be like, you had a party. Why didn't you invite me? And, mm. and, the, and uh, invariably the answer would come back. You didn't get the Facebook invitation. Yeah. And so now I check those. I check invitations. Okay. For parties. I'll start inviting you to my uh, weekly movie night. You you do that in person every week, and I always want to go. But uh, well, I mean, you clearly don't because you haven't gone to a single one yet. I do, but I always have something better to do, which usually involves uh, watching DVDs with my girlfriend at home <laughs> and drinking. You know, tonight this is recording this on a Saturday. We're watching The King of Comedy. Oh, that's exciting! It is exciting. Have you seen it? Nope. Nor have I. What fun it would be to watch this together. I'm going to a uh, co-worker's evening barbecue tonight, and then I'm probably going to go home and drink rum and coke with my girlfriend and watch episodes of My So-Called Life. Which, by the way, is a fucking great show. Yeah, Jen was watching it a while back, and uh, and I believe, is that the one with the, that uh, Lord John Marbury from the uh, West Wing is like the goofy teacher whose socks don't match and he's got a toothpick all the time? And, yeah, that's hey, the man. episode called The Substitute. Yeah, and just it gets people to think differently. But what I like socks about different that, colors. It, it's something that happens a lot on my so-called life, where there'll be a really like, uh, a, essentially a tired premise yeah, like yeah. that, and the, but they'll just they just use it as like a sort of backbone yeah. to really explore something interesting and honest. Yeah, it's uh, Jen really liked it, and what I I I think maybe I watched half of an episode. I watched uh-huh. enough to be uh, not angered, but just be like, oh, freaking. The the crazy substitute and it's like well maybe it was less of a cliche at the time it wasn't but uh, no. but it but it was good and I like that actor a great deal and uh, you didn't watch the end of the episode it goes in an interesting place okay uh, does he wind up having an affair with a student <laughs> no but uh, uh, yeah his um, he he becomes a less inspiring figure oh okay and um, Angela sort of has to learn to 
substitute or to divide the substitute's uh, ideology from his personality. Mm. Essentially, like Charles Manson. <laughs> no, you could pretty much put those in the same bucket. I don't know. He said some pretty interesting <laughs> stuff. If you get past, uh, you know, some of the other, some of his other idiosyncrasies, uh, then uh, he's a pretty smart guy. But uh, anyway, anyway, Facebook. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. Do you think it, that's why the trailer? I think it's. I think it may be part, partly why because it really because it starts. I mean, there's there's that song, yeah. uh, "Creep," which is a good song. And yeah. I, I think that choral version of it is very uh, pretty. Yeah. Um, and there's images from Facebook, which is not uh, Facebook isn't so foreign to me that I don't recognize that. Right. Oh, that's what Facebook looks like. Yeah. But I don't have any emotional or experience experiential. Yeah. Uh, attachment to, to to those images. And I'm somebody. I mean, I I use Facebook a fair amount. I mean, I don't think I probably use it as much as I should, uh, being an online presence as I am, David. Um, and it's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have said that while you're drinking water. Sorry, no. <laughs> um, but the but I do use it enough to understand uh, the possibilities of it and be to a certain extent invigorated by using it. I mean, uh, you know, I've I've wound up connecting with old friends, uh, people that I never have never met and will never officially meet. I won't speak to them on the phone. I'm not going to see them in person. They're just you know listeners of the show, and I've only talked to them through Facebook. Mm-hmm. I only know who they are through Facebook. And uh, and that in itself is is really fascinating. Facebook better than you know more so than than MySpace or, or any of the other ones. Like it really uh, has quite uh, expertly brought people together. And it, I mean, it is possible to. Ha- I mean, people make jokes about like ah, you don't have a life, and it's like, well, you do have a life on. Fa- you know, a person can have yeah. a life on Facebook, and it no, can I, be I kind make it of clear. fulfilling. I'm not. I'm not on. Uh, I don't avoid Facebook because I am judging it. Right, right. People who use it, I just. Uh, it, I'm sort of like a recovering alcoholic where yeah. MySpace was my entire day yeah. for the most part by by the end by you know sorry uh, by like mid 2007 mm-hmm. uh, it was it was like my list of things to do in the morning yeah. were all MySpace yeah and so when that sort of went away and Facebook became the new thing I used it as an opportunity to sort of Reclaim my life. Yeah. Uh, so I know I have a problem, and if I started on Facebook, I would fall into it again. That's what I'm afraid of. You have an addictive personality. I guess so. You know. But, I, I mean, I, there are things I miss. Like, uh, I was in New Orleans recently um, and made uh, made some friends that yeah. were, like, uh, my girlfriend had a friend there. We met, So I met her, and then we met her friends, and I got along with these people. And now, mm-hmm. like, I know that we weren't good. I didn't make good enough friends with them that I got their phone numbers and stuff we're not going to text back right. and forth so unless i go to new orleans again i'm probably not going to have any contact with these people but i know that if i were on facebook i could keep up with them at least yeah or i could i could have just used that uh meeting as like a jumping off point to an actual yeah. friendship and that's not going to happen now because i'm not on facebook but you take the good with the bad huh and i guess so uh it's but it, and, and i think because it is such a I was reading a review. I don't remember uh, what it was for. I think it might have been. I think it might have been the Onion. But I was reading a review of the Social Network in which they mentioned uh, they talk about. Well, you know, the the film doesn't really show a lot of like the 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 why Facebook is so revolutionary and blah blah blah. And uh, they said that uh, with a vague as a vague complaint. Certainly nothing uh, horrible or anything. But I remember as I was I was reading, I was like, people already know. They don't uh-huh. need the reason they don't show it is because chances are if you're seeing the social network you have Facebook and you uh-huh. use it and you like it. And so the reason they don't need to show it is because it's the one thing that it's a fair assumption everyone in the audience is already well aware of. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I I want I always use the Friday night Friday night lights example of people saying like yeah. you don't have to like football to like this movie exactly, or this show. Yes. And that's kind of what I'm hoping the social network is. Yeah. Um and I'm hoping it sounds like um Aaron Sorkin's script is not condescending, which is what I... That was my initial fear. Yeah. My initial fear when I saw it, I wanted to be hopeful. And I am hopeful now with the reviews and everything. I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see it. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a good movie. My initial reaction to The Social Network was, David Fincher has made more films I hate than films I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aaron Sorkin, in his writing on 
things like the West Wing and Studio yeah. 60 has shown a general disdain for online communities. And uh, I hope that doesn't come through in the script. Yeah, and... Uh that and I remember. I mean, all the attitude for for everybody, including myself, was all the same when it said uh, when it said there's going to be a Facebook movie. And I remember being like, "What the hell is that going to be? <laughs> How do you do that?" And there's like Aaron Sorkin's going to. I'm like, I, I know you're trying to elaborate, but you're only confusing me further. <laughs> um, and uh, and then once it's once it came out, what it was going to be. And then uh, Fincher's involvement actually um, encouraged me because I assumed it's not going to be Panic Room Fincher or Fight Club. It's going to be—I think it's going to be Zodiac Fincher, much more hope. controlled and and really delving into character without without like people declaring everything about themselves. Um, so and, did uh, we just talk about Zodiac on this show recently? Did we? I don't think so. Okay, maybe, but I mean, because I remember in some arena mm-hmm. declaring it one of the best american films of the decade and i and i still agree with that i just don't want to repeat myself so was it were you on another podcast recently maybe I don't okay know. but I can't uh, keep track. but zodiac one of the best american films of the decade no question about it it's really wonderful and uh and i remember that's the movie that kind of put uh fincher kind of sort of back back on the map kind of for you i remember you didn't care for fight club you didn't care for panic room uh was there anything between panic room and zodiac I don't know. I don't think so. Was I don't it? think so off the top of my head. And so... Oh, wait. Didn't he do... Oh, no. That was after Zodiac. Yeah. Benjamin Button? Yeah, that's after. Which I haven't seen. Nor have I. But, but, um, uh, but yeah, and so yeah, I Yeah, I like, I like Seven. I hate the game. I hate Fight Club. I pretty much I hate, hate the Panic game. Room. I like the game. Ugh. And, of course, Alien 3 is the worst, but at least David Fincher recognizes Exactly. That. Yes, yes. There's only so much he could do. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, and, and Zodiac... Kind of for for me, I I started seeing him in a completely different light, and uh, and so I felt like it really is interesting just the way different talents have come together for the social network. And of course, again, I haven't seen the film, so it might be terrible. I assume it's probably not. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think everyone is that off base, <laughs> right? But um, but it's uh, just a lot of people comment on all the different unlikely talents, like. Like, oh, uh, Aaron Sorkin uh, wrote this movie uh, that uh, is scored by Trent Reznor. <laughs> it's like, uh, wait, what? <laughs> and s- what about uh, Snuffy Smith or whatever his name is? Uh, let's bring him in. W.G. Snuffy Walden. Yeah, okay. Wait, who's, snu- who's Snuffy Smith? I, 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 I don't know. I like old-time blues. Maybe he's an old-time blues w. guy. W.G. Snuffy Walden also did the music for My So-Called Life. Did he? Way. Really? Yeah, and it's great. Man, that guy's everywhere. Yeah, he's very talented. But, uh, and so, like, and then, oh, oh, but also uh, David Fincher is going to be involved. And he's like, how is this going to work? Uh-huh. And it sounds like it works wonderfully, that everybody just kind of, there's a almost a certain degree of conflict uh, amongst the, the various styles that just kind of come together and makes this uh, brilliant film that a lot of people are saying is uh, the best movie of the, of the year. I hope so. Are there any movies you can think of on the top of your head besides Fight Club mm-hmm. that everyone loved when they came out and you just didn't get? I just didn't get? That everyone loved? Yeah, that you just didn't see why they liked it. You didn't like it. Uh, I'm trying to think. Are we including like uh, my uh, my opinion since then? Okay. Because there have been plenty of movies that I didn't didn't like, didn't care for, uh, and then since then it's like, yeah, all right. Um, Shawshank Redemption ah. was one. Now, of course, uh, it came out when I was. 12, so right. not at the time, but I remember when people my age were discovering it, so probably around age 15, uh, 16, a lot of people loved it, and I was just like, this is really episodic. You know, I, I don't know why. I really I, wrestled with Shawshank Redemption. Now I accept it on its own terms. Yeah. I loved it, of course, when I was younger. Okay. Because uh, I just think it's it's a really fun movie to watch, mm-hmm. and I still feel that way. And then as I got older and like knew more about movies and was able to do more of a compare take more of a comparative approach to it mm-hmm. it's uh, i i found it kind of definitely hokey you know and there's and there's some some clichés yeah uh, and it's overly sentimental yeah um and then i kind of made peace with that and i realized so that's that's the movie i'm watching yeah and it's and it's all of those in the best possible way there's nothing exactly. inherently yeah. wrong with sentimentality i feel the same way about forrest gump yeah oh it's very similar to forrest gump in that way yes absolutely um, but, uh, but yeah, and so I think, uh, we, we, we've gotten a fair amount of discussion yeah, from Shawshank the social Redemption, network. Yeah. Forrest Gump, these movies are fun to watch. You can, they're, they're, uh, 
maybe escapist experiences sometimes. They're entertainment. You can divorce yourself from message or theme or whatever and enjoy these movies. I'm not sure if I would immediately throw them out as fun movies considering the AIDS in one and the rape in the other, but that's, you know. But it's not, I mean... Yes, it's just there's, prison there's rape. It's not like real rape. Gump, but it's not yeah, long time yeah. companion. It's not a movie about it, right, yeah, AIDS. Yeah, yeah. It almost, it's almost like it, it, it disease of the weeks. Yeah, AIDS, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like the beaches. It almost makes dying of AIDS <laughs> romantic. <laughs> it's a, no, a noble effort. Um, not to imply, of course, that it's uh, ignoble or anything. I feel I feel bad for saying that, but it kind of does, right? What Forrest Gump? It like like Jenny's death spoilers is um is kind of like I don't, I don't well, you know, know what like it is romance is, novelish like uh well i guess there is that yes but uh and beaches is like the perfect perfect example but <laughs> you know what it actually sort of is um we're not the topic yet everybody we're not discussing uh diseases and films <laughs> although that wouldn't be bad um the uh you know what it is is that Forrest Gump the, the character and the movie it's all about much like the soundtrack it's all the biggest songs of the time Forrest in his interaction I mean he doesn't interact with random people of the time he interacts with presidents public figures of the time right. he's there for every major thing so of course AIDS is a major thing is one of the major things of the 80s yeah. so that of course that's the d- disease she would get because that's the way his life interacts with his time. It was right. the disease of the time. I know that sounds terrible to say that it's not around anymore, but it is. But it at is. the time, I mean, it really was a you know a death sentence. You know. Yeah, it's um, it's really, uh, it's not, we we have. I mean, I'm, obviously, I would like there to be a cure. I hope we're still working to that. But mm-hmm. it's really nice that uh, it's not a death death sentence anymore. <laughs> That's like, an interesting phrasing. It's just it's really nice that it's not a death sentence. That's <laughs> Yeah, but I, I just um, really made my day. I it's something I was thinking about because I watched Project Runway. Uh-huh. And um one of the contestants this season just in this most recent episode uh revealed to his fellow cast members that mm. he was HIV positive. Yeah. And it's just like he's my favorite designer on the show and he's been HIV positive for 10 years and like in the 80s he wouldn't be alive anymore. Right. You know? Right. And so it really was, uh, it just hit home yeah. watching Project Runway uh, that we have made some advances and not everything about mankind is awful. I have to <laughs> I have to assume that this led to a very special episode of Previously On. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> okay. We'll record that uh, this weekend. Okay, fair enough. Um, so let's get into it, shall we? Okay. Let's go from talking about AIDS to talking about fun, fun. movies. <laughs> the most fun in the world. Um, and, but I, I kind of want to set out my own personal ground rules. You don't have to okay. adhere to what I'm saying here. But what I want to talk about is not just a list of movies that are fun to watch. Right. But explore the topic of movies as fun. Yeah. You know, um, art is beauty and truth, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it's kind of both those things. That's, mm-hmm. I think those are the two main things that art is. Right? Awesome. <laughs> I mean... Is it awesome? Uh, Who said art is awesome? Uh, I don't know. We learned from Milan Rouge that it's about freedom, beauty, truth, and love. Oh, indeed, yes. But I think freedom and love are secondary. I think beauty and truth are the main things that make mm. art art. And and uh, I guess what I want to talk about is the idea of approaching them from approaching a piece of art, a movie thing, as a piece of. In this, uh, I'll use the term beauty very, uh, very broadly to just mm-hmm. say something that's fun to watch. Yeah, you know, it's not about whatever truth is tr- truths yeah. it reveals. Yeah, we'll cover that in the next episode. Yeah, we're um, going to do a two-parter because we uh, didn't do one when I was in uh, NOLA. Right, and so. I was in uh, Boston and Maine. Beantown. Fight me. Um, <laughs> but the... Uh, I wish I could make that into a shirt, but it's got a swear on it. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, I, real quick, uh, there is a new shirt design. David, I didn't tell you about this, but oh. it's only on a few products. But there's a new Excited. shirt design. Uh I have been playing with, I've been bandying this about for a while, uh-huh. and uh, I finally decided, you know what, wh- I'm going to put it on the shirt, what the hell. And uh, it's just words, it's not an image, and it just says, uh, Kaiser Soze was a sled all along. All right, <laughs> and so that to me is very funny, Okay. and so you guys are welcome to purchase <laughs> that shirt. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, and I remember when I first, 
when I first started getting into film, and David, you you probably had a similar experience. I think I think probably any uh, film person has had this experience where you know you're starting to view movies a certain way. You're starting to uh-huh. view them as art in general. You know, and many I think a lot of people would view art as something separate from entertainment. You know, art right. is something serious. It, you know, we'll talk more about that uh, in the next episode. But. Um, but entertainment is definitely. I feel like there's going to be a lot of that this episode of us like starting to say something. Well, like, well, hang we'll on say that now. for the next. Slow episode. down. <laughs> um, but uh, but the and I think a lot of people just view them as as completely separate. And so I remember, um, you know, to a lot of my friends and even some relatives uh, when I started really getting into film and just really loving it and uh, and looking at it a slightly different way. I remember. I ran across a couple attitudes that struck me. One of them is is cynical, but one of them struck me as cynical, but I don't think it is. Um, the first attitude was uh, people saying, like, well, you know, movies are only made to make money. And you and I were just discussing before we started recording that to a certain extent and from a certain perspective, that's true, which is the perspective of the studio. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, a director isn't making it solely so that he can make money. Or anything yeah. like that. I not mean, necessarily. Not necessarily. That might I mean, be part are, of it. But obviously, there are Roland Emmerichs and Gary Marshalls out ex- there. Absolutely, <laughs> there there are they are out there. Um, and so, so that was the first thing, which I think is like, well, that's that's too much of a big statement. I mean, that's that's just as ridiculous to me as saying like, no movie is made to make money. But that's ridiculous. <laughs> and so, um, and it's and it's naive and it's and all that. But anyway, um, but the other one of of. Is is people said like like you know what F- film is just about it's just about entertainment that's all it is it's just this and uh, and almost any time I did not like a large blockbuster entertainment movie I, I mean the one that I bring up a lot is uh, like a Gone in sixty seconds mm-hmm. uh, or a Swordfish or uh, Pearl Harbor is somewhere in between like trying to do something, you know, uh, with a capital S and also trying to be entertainment. It's somewhere in between there. I'm not sure if I would say it's a Bad Boys 2. Yeah, uh, but I, I would almost prefer Bad Boys 2 to Pearl Harbor. Oh, don't get me wrong. Yes, absolutely. Because Pearl Harbor is so shallow. And, yeah. And I think it is a little bit... Uh, exploitative? Cynical. Yeah, exploitative, definitely. Yeah. And I don't know. It just, it just wants to be... <laughs> Pearl Harbor wants to be to World War Two what Gone with the Wind is to the Civil War, <laughs> and it, yeah, it, it yeah. just it just misses the mark completely. And Gone with the Wind is far from a perfect movie, right? And there are things that are cheesy about it. There are things that are kind of uncomfortable about it, like mm-hmm. the whole like slavery thing, <laughs> you know. Um, but it, it's still a movie that I love and will not. Uh, Apologize for loving. I do love. I do really like how much you're soft peddling things today. It's nice that age, AIDS isn't a death sentence. Yeah, the whole slavery is a little uncomfortable. Thing, you know, <laughs> it's, oh, this is kind of awkward. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but um, but yeah, and so and I remember when I was younger, my whole attitude was just like it's like no movies are not just entertainment. Or the attitude that I still kind of have is uh, is like well, just because it's entertainment. Or just because this particular movie is only aiming, it's kind of a condescending attitude. It, because its only uh, aim is to be entertaining, that doesn't mean it has to be bad, you know, and all that sort of thing. Um, but it was an interesting. Uh, it, it's interesting over the over time, my my attitude has changed, and I feel like I've probably become, you know, less of the uh, film school stereotype, you know, uh-huh. beatnik type. Who's just like, hey man, you know, sp- it, it, the same reason that to a lot of people back in film school like really hated Spielberg is because he, entertainment and commercial has come to mean sellouts or whatever. Um, and as time has gone on, I've really come to appreciate well, like really well-made entertainment uh-huh. and really embrace the idea of like, you know, as much as my younger self would hate me for saying this, sometimes you freaking just need an escape. Yeah. You need something... That is, and to, in my opinion, of course, the better it's done, the more escapist it's going to be, you know, yeah. um, or at least for me anyway. But uh, to get to talk about Spielberg real quick. Okay, go ahead. Um, it's sort of just because, uh, <laughs> just because George W. Bush was a bad president doesn't mean that populism is necessarily bad. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And I think Spielberg is in a lot of ways a, 
a populist. Yeah. You know, he wants to appeal to what's universal in as many people as mm-hmm. possible. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he's pandering. Again, he's not Roland Emmerich, who is right. pandering. Would you say that uh, that Michael Bay panders? No. Okay. That's something we've talked about in the show before, that I don't like. There's not a single Michael Bay movie that I like anymore. Okay. I used to make apologies for Armageddon. What about I kinda, The Rock? I, I watched it again recently. It's really, really bad. Yeah, it's not very good. Um, I, I used to, yeah. Yeah, so there's not a single Michael Bay movie that I like. Uh, and I think he's bad at making films but i don't think he's a hack okay oh well that's true he's he is an auteur for for whatever that's worth Mm -hmm. there is a a michael bay film is that's a thing yeah you know but he's not a hired gun and the question but the question was the question was this because i don't think he's a hack certainly not the question is is he pandering because he specifically said and i don't know what i think either but like um but he has specifically said like hey i make movies for 12 year old boys and that, or twelve and thirteen year old boys, and that's that's all I care about. I think his his persona uh, is something that, I, in general, I try to. There's something else you and I were talking about before we started recording. Mm-hmm. We had a long conversation, didn't we? I before know. We hit record. Got to um, warm up, you know. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? Oh yeah. I don't. Uh, I, I I try to separate the outside stuff as much as possible from the actual film itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so things that Michael Bay says in interviews often make me laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't, I don't take it seriously. I think Michael Bay is making the movies that he wants to make. Yeah. You know, if he, for whatever it's, for what it's worth, what he does with film is very bold. Okay. I don't think it's successful at all. Okay. Um, and I find it incredibly shallow. Except financially. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it's not as successful as. As far as making a piece of art goes. Yeah. I find him incredibly uh, shallow. I find him uninterested in humanity. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's not... If he were just trying to appeal to 12-year-old boys, he would just make... I'm trying to think of a, a dumb movie, but the, I, don't, I don't see enough dumb movies anymore. But he would uh, just make, I don't know, The Expendables or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That is... Uh, he, yeah, you don't Michael make... The- is making his own... Yeah. Films. You don't make the island for for a twelve and thirteen year old boy. I mean, it's it's a. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, of course, the last half is is, is terrible and it's just crazy action yeah. that makes. I think no I, sense. I dislike the island maybe more than other Michael Bay movies because the first half it is, had me fooled. Yeah, like I was like, I was like, he's gonna do it. He's gonna make a good movie, <laughs> and then it just completely deconstructs. And, yeah, and falls apart in the second half. Um, but that's the thing is, so we, we've been complaining a great deal about, uh, a Roland Emmerich and, and, uh, a Michael, a Michael Bay to a certain extent complaining. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, but you start bringing up Spielberg and that he does try to reach a mass audience, uh-huh. um, which there's nothing, there's a difference between trying to reach a mass audience and finding the lowest common denominator. Exactly. Good point. Yeah. You know. Because um, I still think Spielberg is when he makes a film is speaking from his heart. Mm-hmm. He, you know, uh, he's trying to say something that is important to him. Yeah, he just. Uh, I'm trying to think what the word is. He doesn't. Because uh, he doesn't avoid speci- specificity either. Right. Right. But, um, I remember. Uh, I remember this just happened recently. Um, Jenny Garofalo was on the, the Sklar Brothers podcast, okay. and she was talking about somehow when you're telling, she was talking about joke telling, but this works mm-hmm. in movies too. The more specific you are, the more people can relate. Yeah, in a, in a weird way, you know, even though it's specific to you, their own experience is specific to them, yeah. so they're going to pick up on that specificity. Which I think I think is actually is actually right. I think he's trying to. In telling this person's specific story, mm-hmm. y- there is more that you can. You may not be able to be like, "Oh yes, no, I've been." You know, if you watch Munich, you yeah. can be like, "Oh no, I've done that." Well, Munich but, is actually almost an exception to the rule from my point of view. Okay, because I think he largely Spielberg. What makes him universal is he 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 generally he takes he takes not only topics but points of view that are universal. Yeah, you know, or at least if not universal, almost held by almost yeah. everyone. Just certain feelings, but. About family or love or whatever, you yeah. know. Um, whereas Munich, he's he's taking on a topic that is much more ripe for debate. But he is also, 
he is anticipating, and he's still... I won't say exploiting. That sounds negative. Capitalizing. He's capitalizing on something that is common. That doesn't sound negative. <laughs> well, you know, hey, if you're a capitalist, no. Um, but Which the, I am, by the way. I'm it, to the left of Tyler, Yeah, but I am a capitalist. He is to the left of me, and I disagree. Um, you don't think I'm a capitalist? I'm joking, David. It's fine. Um, I believe in capitalism. Being, being, uh, being slightly uh, right-leaning, it is my duty to uh, you know, characterize anybody that's left of well, me as I'll, a communist. Uh, <laughs> I'll paraphrase Winston Churchill. I think capitalism is the worst form of anything except for all the other ones. There you go. That's Let me start over. I think capitalism <laughs> is the worst economic structure okay, yeah. apart from all the other ones. I'd say that's about right. Which Winston Churchill said about democracy. Yeah. But and I, 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 real quick, I think uh, before I get into uh, uh, what I was going to say, um, I do want to maybe alienate some listeners and say, like, hey, uh, f- fellow uh, conservatives or Republicans, you know, I, I voted Democrat this last time, but whatever. Um, fellow uh, conservatives, hey, we're going to stop Sarah Palin, right? Like, this is going to stop. Okay. I think, I think it already has. Has it? I don't know. I mean, she's well-known now. Yeah. But she's become, she's Kim Kardashian to you and me, but there are people that are related to me that freaking like love her. And I'm, it, I'm just saying, like, as I, as we mentioned with Paul Gilmartin, hey, I'm, I'm, ver- I don't mean to say that, like, hey, Republicans are dumb. It's nothing like that. Uh, I consider myself vaguely Republican, and so like, but like when I talk to to Paul Gilmartin, there seems to be this re- weird strain in the Republican Party these days where if you if you can like string together words in a really entertaining way, uh-huh. then you can be the leader. And, uh, <laughs> and if you just kind of, and it's, it's just as much about persona as anything else. And that's fine. That, they can, that can happen in the democratic party as well. That's fine. But it's, uh, it's really, I'm sorry. I don't mean to turn this into a pulpit, but, uh, but it's I, really, yeah, there are people, but me. there's, there's people for everything. They're, just cause they're loud. Doesn't mean there's a lot of them. I suppose they're getting votes in these primaries though. And it really, uh, well, it's I really think it's, even though the voter base is has a lot of overlap, I don't think you should be comparing Sarah Palin to Rand Paul. Right. No, they're, no, yeah. They're very different people. I disagree with both of them. Yes. But um, Rand Paul is, is not... I mean, Sarah Palin is vociferously anti-intellectual. And I, I like the, your, your use of the word vociferously in the phrasing. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, whereas Rand Paul, as much as I disagree with him on almost everything... Mm-hmm. Uh, he's interested in in debate and ideas. Okay, yes, yes, I would agree with that. Uh, um, and so, yeah, it's there's a certain base level that just sees him as doesn't see Rand Paul as being that different from Sarah Palin, mm-hmm. uh, because in a very uh, superficial way, yeah, they they are espousing the same worldview, but. There's substance behind Rand Paul's as much as I disagree with it. Yes, yes. He and arrived so, there in a much more uh, organic way as opposed to just, hey, this is something I want to do. Yeah. And so if if Rand Paul could uh, put reins on the sort of uh, cosmetic uh, aspects of campaigning, mm-hmm. he would be a much more viable threat, I think, than Sarah mm-hmm. Palin. I think as many people as vociferously, again, yeah. <laughs> support uh, Sarah, Sarah Palin... If the Republicans nominate Sarah Palin, the Democrats are going to love that. They're going to throw a party. No question about it. And uh, and here's and that's the thing. I, I apologize for turning. I don't. I, I, I usually you're the one that turns things political. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, like the most recent Entertainment Weekly, there's Sarah. It's a picture of four different uh, female. You mean the most recent Newsweek? What? Oh yes, no, not Entertainment Weekly. That had the guys from uh, Social Network on there. Yeah. Um, but uh, she could be on the cover of that at some point, though. Give it time. Yeah. Isn't she on Dancing with the Stars now? Or is that a different Palin? <laughs> That's your daughter. <laughs> why, is, why is that funny? Yeah, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> no, she's busy. She's on the campaign trail for something two years out. But anyway. No, but doesn't she has a show now on, like... Uh, on Fox News, I think. No, on, uh, like, the Outdoor Life Network or something. Which doesn't oh, that's anymore. right. That's right. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Anyway. It's not the Outdoor Life Network, because that doesn't exist. It's not, that's not called Versus, and it's your home for NHL hockey. Oh, okay. Jeez. <laughs> uh, I don't have a, te- a TV podcast. But no, on the cover of Newsweek, there were four photos of like female Republican candidates yeah. all wearing the same thing. And all of them clearly, uh, one is Sarah Palin, and the rest like have their hair up like her. 
and they've got. I don't know like, who the other ones are. I've they've got, got like, like the a... red jacket and the pin and the whole deal. And I and I remember just looking at that and being like, "Wait, this is. I thought this was done. I guess it's not. <laughs> In fact, it looks like it's picking up steam. And uh, so yes, uh, I, I apologize. I've pro- I've probably really angered some people, but uh, I don't know because I don't think you did. I don't, I don't you think never we've... know. I don't think we've taken any strong viewpoints here that intelligent people would disagree with. I, oh, see, right there. See, stuff like that is what... Uh, we'll talk about that next episode. But, and I imagine that our listenership is intelligent. I'm not saying... Yeah. Not like uh, tooting our horn. I'm saying that we have intelligent listeners. All right, fair enough. Maybe we can cut this out. It's fine. I don't want to cut this out. Okay. Um Anyway, so let's get back to this. This happened as a function of my saying the word "capitalize" <laughs> is how we got here. But uh, okay, and thankfully, well, was, I remember Spielberg was capitalizing something in Munich. This still doesn't have anything to do with fun movies, but we're working our way back there. No, but but it does. Yeah, Spielberg is definitely someone we want to yeah. talk about. Um, but the thing is, um, <laughs> I can't believe I did that. I'm sorry, everybody. But um, and so with something like Munich, uh, he does open something up, open up a, a topic that is more debatable not everyone's going to be on board but he does capitalize on something that everybody has which is a desire for uh, vengeance or in some cases justice mm-hmm. when you are wronged you want to hurt the person that wronged you and so he still right, but he still not... taps into something that everybody has but i'm saying like uh payback with mel gibson that's <laughs> yeah. a movie where he is wronged and he seeks justice and at no point in the movie do we question whether or not he's right for seeking justice yeah like there's there's some guilty pleasures in seeing him, like, you know, shoot uh, Greg Henry. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, it, Munich, the reason I say it's more ripe for debate is because it it actively questions whether or not yeah. that search for justice or vengeance is uh, morally defensible or even worthwhile. But also, and that and this is this is what makes Spielberg, and, and we mentioned this on the Spielberg episode, but the. Uh, one of the things that makes him uh, a commercial director is that even when a pr- even when talking of, uh, discussing topics that are not easy to discuss, in the case of Munich, he still couches it in a thriller, something that people are no, and uh, like a just an incredibly well done thriller that can kind of hold up on its own uh-huh. as a thriller, and so he understands that this is what people like: the idea of vengeance. You know, and the idea of just, oh, this is going to be like a fun action movie or whatever. Um, and so I think he, it was very, uh, it was kind of almost, I would venture to say almost sly uh-huh. the way he, he approached that film. Because he took his, the sensibilities that he had gotten from years of making really great commercial films that everyone likes to, and he, he brought those over to uh, discuss something that people might not be on board with. Well, let's talk about this um in terms of fun. Okay. That a thriller can be a lot of fun. Well, oh, yeah. I don't want to give the impression that when I say fun, we're talking about, you know, road trip or something that's full of like right. antics or hijinks. Right. You know, all those, those movies can be fun too. Yeah. You know, um, it, it, a lot of it has to do with, uh, the packaging. And then there's a yeah. reason that, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Like I didn't watch, Robert Brisson films when I was in high school right. because I didn't have the vocabulary or sophistication as a film viewer yet to know mm-hmm. why that was an interesting thing to watch. You know, as heady as David Lynch can be, mm-hmm. it was Lost Highway that got me into him because yeah. that's just from an aesthetic viewpoint, one of his slickest films, yeah. you know, and it has, you know, Trent Reznor's music and David Bowie and, yeah. and Rammstein. And it's like, yeah, uh, it, it's just it's enjoyable aesthetically you mm-hmm. know and i want to compare i recently um i want to compare two different movies that both heavily feature heroin use uh i recently as in like two days ago watched on the sundance channel on demand which is tyler i don't know why you don't have cable because things like the sundance channel on, on demand or for you turner classic movies on demand absolutely yeah you would love it yeah anyway uh I watched a film from 2008, an Irish film by a guy named Dwayne Hopkins. It's his first uh, feature-length film uh, called Better Things, okay. which is um, a movie that I found very successful against all odds because okay. it is very much the sort of uh, 
outsider's view of what an artsy fartsy indie movie is. Like it's okay. very quiet. It's it's barely any dialogue. It's very somber. It's a lot of people sort of like like two people sitting in a room not talking to each other and staring off into the middle distance for uh, <laughs> like it, it's really. It seems like a cliche, but it's actually a really good movie because this guy, Dwayne Hopkins, clearly knows his way not only around a camera and a lighting setup, but an edit bay as well. It's very mm-hmm. well made. But it, 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 heroin use is a big part of the movie, and um, it's not a movie that I I enjoy watching it now, again, because I have this... I know enough about films to know why it's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's an esoteric thing. But it wouldn't have gotten me... If I saw that movie in 1996, it wouldn't have gotten me into film. Mm-hmm. But a movie I did see in 1996, or maybe I didn't see it until 97, whatever, about heroin use that is a lot of fun to watch, mm-hmm. as heavy as it can be, is Train Spotting. Yeah. Uh, and that's just because... I mean, think about the opening of Train Spotting, which yeah. is, to me, top five best opening sequences of any movie ever. And now I can't remember what it is. All right, you hear... Breaking glass, you hear an alarm. Okay. You hear uh, Lust for Life by Iggy Pop start up. You hear feet slapping on pavement, and then the picture cuts in, and they're running down the street in their converse. Yeah. uh, They've just stolen something from a store. The cops are chasing them, and uh, Mark Renton's amazing monologue, Mm -hmm. or his voiceover monologue that opens the film about, about choosing life. Right. Uh, starts. It's it's the greatest beginning to any movie ever. I'm going to oh say my. it's number one. It is my number one oh favorite my. opening sequence of any movie ever. Um, and you don't at the in the moment you don't think about uh the fact that these people have a really sad life because yeah. they're they're sick. They're they're way too thin and undernourished. They're stealing things. Uh because of their uh their addiction yeah. you know that's what their life is about and that's really sad but danny boyle is great at you know in in all his movies like i mean Slum, slumdog millionaire is not a happy movie at all but no. it's a lot of fun to watch yeah because he uh it, it, but i don't think it, he does it in an irresponsible way either making these things fun to watch um he really draws you in with it and by by the end of train spotting or slumdog millionaire you don't think you don't envy these people's lives, right? But you had fun watching them for ninety minutes, uh, and that's uh, th- because of movies like Train Spotting or or Swingers, the things that came out in the mid nineties. I mean, these were kind of the movies that got me into movies, you know, mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction, uh, because they're fun to watch, even when they're about. I mean, I think Swingers is a really well observed character study of uh, a kind of pathetic guy. Still, never but, seen it. Really, you've yeah. never seen Swingers? Nope. That's really weird. It's really good. That's fine. There's plenty of good movies I haven't seen. <laughs> That's weird that you were like into movies in the mid to late 90s and didn't see Swingers. Yeah. I'm oh. a conundrum. I was busy watching The Apostle. Yeah. You know? That's a good movie, too. I yeah. managed to see both. Yeah, I know. But I was busy, you know, I was doing other things. Anyway, so, um, well, you would you would like Swingers. It's mm-hmm. definitely up your alley. Uh, it's about, you know, because it's... It's about a guy who can't get over his ex-girlfriend, and it's kind of sad and pathetic, but in a universe, again, back right. to the Spielberg thing, it's a, it's very relatable. But at the same time, it's a really funny movie with uh, music that uh, wasn't yet uh, a ridiculous caricature at the time. Okay. Uh, the, the whole, it was like the beginning of the whole neo-swing thing, that turned, oh, okay. which ended up leading us to things like the Cherry Pop and Daddies, which is something that I'm sure anyone who was alive in 1997 would like to forget. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but these are the movies that got me into movies mm. because they're fun to watch. Well, let me ask you this, uh, as, as I hate to bring up the next episode again, but, uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're breaking this up into, Beauty and truth, basically, uh-huh. is the idea, and um, and so let me let me put this out there, and I'm not again. This is just uh, I'm putting it out there for discussion. I'm not 100 percent sure if I believe it, and it's way too broad a statement in, in general. Um, movies that are fun, or at the very least beautiful and just agreeable in some way <laughs> for <laughs> that's people. Good, that's a good word. Um, is it possible that those movies? touch us on an emotional level and and I would say an instinctive level mm-hmm. whereas movie you know like the art is truth kind of thing message movies whatever you want to call them um, 
are inherently more intellectual and probably going to be a little less emotional. I mean, well, the I emotional. What I'm trying to get at is yeah. that um, any movie can be both, right? Beauty. But but I think one of them has one of the maybe I am taking a stand on this. Um, but I think one of them probably comes first. The like you could have an emotional response to an intellectual realization yeah. that you have, much like uh, just as you can have some, you can but, respond to something instinctively and then intellectualize it uh, I don't know a the moment one later. Necessarily has to come first. Okay, I think it often does, and that doesn't. That's just a a choice. Yeah, and it doesn't mean one's not better than the other, mm-hmm. but. I feel bad. I'm going to bring this back to AIDS again. Okay. Which category would you put Philadelphia in? You know, because that's a very emotional movie. And yeah. It's also very much about something. Yeah. It's a message movie, and it's a movie that anyone, whether they're a bigot or not, could probably yeah. be moved by. Yeah, and it, and it, I'm reluctant to call it a fun movie, but uh, no, but I mean, this is why I I, mm-hmm. I mean, this, uh, I, I think we're using this term fun very loosely. Yeah, it's yeah. more about this beauty truth. Yeah, uh, dichotomy. Well, and I, I would venture to say that if that's the case, it's a uh, it's a beautiful it's it's a beautiful movie first, uh, and then so? and then truth because it it does. Uh, I th- we're gonna I think we're gonna touch on the idea a lot of of tapping into something that we all agree on. Uh-huh. And one thing that we all agree on is no one should lose their job unless they uh, you know a layoff. That's something that'll happen, or they're bad at their job. Right. Those are the only two reasons that it's acceptable, and even that first one's a little iffy. But like, um, but it, but we all agree that it's wrong for somebody to lose their job for something that, in many cases, they can't help, whether it be skin color, gender, orientation, or in in his case, a disease which he contracted through his own actions. But still, now he has the disease, and so uh, firing him, for, losing his job. For some, for one of those reasons, it creates this sense of like, hey, this is not right. This is in you know unjust, and I think that taps into something emotional. And then it says AIDS and homosexuality, mm-hmm. and so I think it starts with an emotional thing, and then comes the message. It taps into something big, and then makes it so specific that we're like, oh, geez, I feel this way, and now you know, okay. and now I feel like it because of uh, oh shoot, you know so you the realization. In 100% of cases, a movie is one first, either either beauty or truth, and and the the other thing is filtered through that. I have no co- I have no doubt that there's there's uh, exceptions to this. That's the thing, okay. and this is something that I just put up uh, put out there a few minutes ago. <laughs> uh, without really, I didn't write a thesis on this or anything. Um, but but I you know off the top of my head, I would be inclined to say yes, it's probably like that. And when I say emotional, uh, the reason I added instinctive is because. Uh, something can be viscerally thrilling, and that's and that I think uh, appeals to somebody's instincts first, instincts and emotions first. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think that's probably, I think it probably is one thing starts, mm-hmm. and then the other thing might follow three seconds later. You know, you know what I mean. But uh, but yeah, so I think that might be, for me, that might be how I how I view it, um, and and next. Next episode, I'll bring up examples of the of going in the other direction. But yeah, uh, I kind of feel like this is where we're going. Where in our episode, this one about fun movies, we're talking about how movies that don't seem fun are fun. Yeah, and I think <laughs> next episode, I'm going to end up talking about how movies that don't seem like message movies are message movies. I uh, know mine are all message movies next time, but <laughs> uh, but that's and I I think that's the. Well, uh, what did you have on your list for fun movies then? Well, I mean, I had movies that are actually fun. You know, well, um, let's talk about that before we wrap up. Okay, um, because. I, I had come up with the idea of fun movies, and then David took it and ran with it and took it in a direction I never wanted to go, but that's fine. Um, this is why I don't make a list beforehand, no, because I, know, I, li- I don't like being... When we started doing the show, I would always make a list of, these are the movies I want to talk about, these are the right. points I want to hit, and often I would feel like the episode, or at least my part in the episode, would uh, be kind of like stuttering, because I kept having to... Like yeah, I was locking myself into going back to this list I'd made. Yeah, and I'm fine with not mentioning the stuff on my list. But what I will say is that uh, is that okay? Th- this came about from the movie Zombieland. All right, uh-huh. I had to say Zombieland and not Zombieland because damn you, you have gotten it in my head now. <laughs> and so, um, and I remember there's uh, 
There is yeah, a. Hey, do you? Uh, okay. I, I I know you don't have cable, but you have ABC. Do you watch uh, Courtney Cox's new show, Cougarton? <laughs> Thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. <laughs> um, so okay, Zombieland, and you know what? Actually, Jen and I were just rewatching Jaws. Uh huh. And I noticed. I've seen Jaws fifty between fifty and a hundred times. Let's go seventy-five. Um, and this is the first time I noticed a glaring flaw, glaring plot and character flaw. Okay. And it's similar to the one in Zombieland. Okay. Okay. You've seen Zombieland. Yeah. And you enjoy it, correct? For the most part. For the yeah. most part. Okay. I enjoy it immensely. I I think it's a lot of fun. Um. But I remember at the time just being like. The, I understand the older sister is trying to give the younger sister something to look forward to. Uh-huh. I understand that. And so they take... Spoilers, by the way. Uh, so she, she, they're going to Pacific Playland, where she's heard, hey, there's no zombies there. It's, it's just fun, you know? Uh-huh. Well, she, she made that up, which means if you're making this up, you know that there probably are zombies there, and you're going to be a freaking uh, sitting duck on all these rides. Uh-huh. Okay. So it's one thing to give the younger sister something to look forward to and, and giving her hope. But when you know it's absolutely a false hope and the minute she achieves her goal, it's going to be shattered by the fact that there's a million zombies there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so that to me seemed like a – in my view, if she was going to give her – her younger sister, uh, I'm talking about Emma Stone now, ta- and his, her younger sister, played by Ab- Abigail Breslin. Um, better if you're going to give her hope, it needs to be for something that is probably intangible. You know, just like you know what I hear in England, there's no zombies. Well, now you've got to freaking worry about getting across the pond, and you may never do that and discover okay. that you're wrong or whatever. Uh-huh. But like. It's entirely feasible that you're going to go and realize, oh, I guess this thing I was telling you was a horrible lie, you know? <laughs> so that bothered me immensely, and I realized, well, the whole reason, you know, from a from a purely structural standpoint, you got to have the climax take place somewhere interesting. Mm-hmm. So, and honestly, it is fun watching Woody Harrelson kill all those zombies on those roller coasters. <laughs> and so, like, so, so I understand that, and I'm willing to ignore... The intellectual thing in favor of what the film is trying to be. And it's trying to be like, yeah, wouldn't it be awesome to kill zombies like this? So that was the one thing. Jaws. Okay. Listen to this. I'd forgotten where we started with this. Whole okay. Thing. Um, so Jaws. Fourth of July. Brody's son is in uh, the pond, not the pond like before, the Atlantic Ocean, like the actual pond, like in this little cove, because it's, because Brody says, hey, can you please take your boat there and not out on the open ocean where the shark might be? Uh-huh. And then, son of a bitch, if the shark doesn't go right for the pond and then kills, uh, you know, the, this guy, he's like a, like a Boy Scout troop leader or something uh-huh. like that. Um, and how does the shark get to the pond? Well, the pond is connected to the ocean. It's just uh-huh. like a little cove. All right? And so the shark just goes right in there. And uh, it's re- it turns out it's no more safe than the ocean. Uh-huh. So, okay, that's fine. But Brody knows the shark has not been killed. How about this? Hey, son, the sh- killer shark is still out there. You're not going in the ocean today. I'm your father, and you're not go- and I don't want you to be eaten by a shark. I understand you're going to whine at all this, but I'd rather have you whine than be eaten by a shark. Now, what they could have done was have him say, hey, you're not going in the ocean. And then the kid with his friend sneaks off and does it anyway. Uh And then like, oh, my gosh, look at this. And then it gives him a nice little moment where he's mad at his son afterwards, but his son is also in shock, so he can't be that mad. Whatever. But I remember in that moment just being like, oh, my gosh, Brody, he like... He and Hooper are the only guys that know what's going on. <laughs> they, they're the only ones that know that the, the giant shark is out there, and he still lets his son go into the pond. And that seems like a glaring error that I've never noticed. So what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> anyway, 
But the point is this. Those are intellectual problems that I have with it. Uh-huh. But the movies are not... I mean, as much as I love Jaws, the second favorite movie of all time, um, as much as I love it and as much as I love uh, or like Zombieland, um, you know, I have to understand... I, I understand, like, oh, geez, this is a flaw, but it's not... Su- it's not a message movie. It's not supposed to be about truth, mm-hmm. you know? As much as I'm getting upset about Jaws for this, the idea of throwing an air tank in a giant shark's mouth and shooting it and making the shark blow up, hey, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm fine with that. But, uh, and that's the thing is, I, I, I started, this came about from movies that are just so much damn fun to watch and enjoyable, and they so successfully, you know, as we were saying, tap into something that we all love, and, and frankly, and... I don't agree that we all love to be scared or whatever, but we like to be thrilled. I think we like to be scared. I don't agree. I don't enjoy being scared. I know our friend uh, Paul F. Tompkins has a very funny bit. A hilarious bit, yeah. On, on his album Freak Wharf about yeah. how people say that's <laughs> we all like to be scared of something that dumb actors say to justify <laughs> why you should go see their dumb movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think at a, at a, in a certain level we do all kind of, uh, most people do like to be scared I in a movie say, theater, not I, by an actual thing that's scary. Yeah, which is why I'll never do that Universal Studios thing that's terrifying. Which is this? The, the uh, I don't know what it's called, but the, like the horror nights or whatever, where you get on the tram, then the tram will stop, and then you have to get up and walk around. I mean, not randomly, you have to walk in a you know specific pattern. And then like uh, people in costumes will come after you. I know, because my friend Luis is one of the people in the costumes right now. I've never heard of this. Yeah, it's terrifying. And so, uh, yeah, it's... Seems like it's all probably pretty controlled, though. I'm sure it is. I used to, speaking of amusement parks, yeah, I think we should wrap up soon. Okay. Actually, maybe after this story. And then I think we can maybe start, uh, once we get into the topic in the next episode, we can start with Jaws. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but I just, speaking of scary amusement parks, I used to work for Six Flags, St. Mm-hmm. Louis. Um, I worked at the amphitheater when mm. bands would come through. And so the band would finish, and then we had to like take everything down and put it back on their trucks so they could go mm. on to the next sh- shitty venue. Yeah. Um, and so we'd be there till like 1 or 2 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And we were supposed to – we were told to go back to our cars to walk around the perimeter of the park, which is, by the way, surrounded by woods. Okay. And uh, very poorly lit, and it was just creepy yeah. in the middle of the night. So I decided I'm just going to cut through the park instead. Hey, you know what's scarier than the woods? <laughs> An empty amusement park in the middle of the night. <laughs> that is the creepiest place in the world. And you know what? And that's that's why Zombieland is at an amusement park uh-huh. because it's creepy. And of course, you see the zombie clown. But yeah. and, and that's the thing is is these movies they're not supposed to. They're not about truth. They're about beauty. And in this case, beauty means tapping into something emotionally and understanding that, like, yeah, the woods are scary. And finding the common ground that right. everyone can uh, can understand, well, you know, uh, I'm uh, I'm going to disagree with you that they're not about truth at all. Well, not for the most part. And we're going to discuss that in the next episode. Okay. So you can uh, find us online at battleshipretention.com or in iTunes. You can follow. You you can email us. I forgot. I've forgotten the whole spiel. You can okay. email us David at battleshipretention.com or Tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at twitter.com slash thepretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at twitter.com slash morelessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at morethanonelesson.com or on iTunes. And you can find my other podcast, the weekly TV review podcast, Previously On at previouslyonshow.com or in iTunes. And uh, I will say this before uh, we sign off. Um, a listener emailed me, or, or not emailed, uh, posted a thing on um, on our forum saying that we haven't really mentioned the forum and, and conversations there have been kind of dying down. Um, oh, but there's oh a no. lo- there's a lot of people on there, and uh, and one thing that I that I that we really wanted with the forum is not merely a way for people to give instant feedback to an episode or, you know, talking to David and I in a, in a way other than email. David um, and me. What was that? David and me. I think it's David and I. Um, but uh, it's a, nah, it's, I'm almost positive it's, it's David and I. I think it's phrase. David and I. It sounds like I think that's it. Anyway, um, you're right. I'm just. <laughs> yeah. Pl- I know. Uh, that's, oh, the I role, know I'm right. that's the role I'm playing. Um, but. Uh, Anyway, but it's it's not merely a way to do that. It's a, it's also a way to start discussion uh, amongst people that have similar tastes. Like the one thing that you all have in common is that you listen to the show. But I have to assume 
that you all love movies. Yeah. And, and you are all awesome. And you're that's all the, awesome. That's the other thing. That's it's a fair assumption, David. And so you're all very good looking. You're all charming. Yeah. I love each and every one of you. <laughs> oh my. Jeez. Uh, in love with every person who listens to this podcast. <laughs> yes, I both love and am and am in love with you. Um but yeah, and so like I really want everyone to I, I, I would like people to start talking with each other, frankly, because uh, you know, I can't uh, I can't go on there every day. Um, and there's a lot of re- interesting discussions to be uh, to be had. So I really would encourage uh, if you have not signed up for the forum, it's uh, battleshippretention.proboards.com, or you can just find the link on the website. Yeah, go through the website. Speaking yeah. of the website, you know we haven't mentioned in a while the donate button. Oh, indeed. Or the very simple donation subscription. Uh, Deal, dealio that we offer, where in, in which you uh, all you do is you give uh, your PayPal account or your credit card or bank account, whatever mm-hmm. PayPal you give PayPal what PayPal desires, yeah, and, <laughs> and it will leave you alone, uh, and it just automatically deducts two bu- two bucks out of that account every month for a year. Yeah, it's two bucks a month. You don't even feel it. you don't even feel it. Ah. Uh. That's nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, so yeah, uh, there's a lot of things that uh, that you can uh, uh, do on uh, on the website, and that other than and merely, I swear I'm going to start blogging. No question about again. it. Once I give them the info for how to actually sign into the blog right. and, and post. Plus, at work, we're uh, we someone is no longer there, so yeah. um, I've just been working like crazy for oh. like three weeks, like working till nine or ten at night, and just. Uh, I don't have any. When I have free time, I just want to drink rum and coke and watch my so-called life, and not blog. There you go. Uh, so that's why you guys do not get the benefit of hearing from David is because he's drunk watching uh, '90s melodrama. All right. Uh, so yeah, uh, and of course uh, the next episode will be available probably tomorrow. I would say. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, tune in for that. And uh, in the meantime, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.